Our health and its importance has come to front and center during this crisis of the coronavirus pandemic, but vaccines are on the way. But the climate crisis is another problem waiting to be solved once COVID-19 goes the way of other pandemics. And this pandemic provides an opportunity to be thoughtful on how to work on the climate crisis. I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver. And this is why. As this year comes to a close, it's pretty normal to look back at what's happened in 2020. And part of that is looking forward to 2021. We know the pandemic will still be with us as vaccination of the entire Canadian population won't really begin in earnest for another six months. At that stage, the rollout will still take some time. And there's another problem still with us, affecting everyone on this planet, the climate crisis. What's ahead for Canadians and their health as that crisis continues? Dr. Claudel Petrin de Rosier and Dr. Finola Hackett join us now, and they authored a policy brief for Canada called The Lancet Countdown on Health and Climate Change. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Let's start with how you came to write this policy brief. If I understand correctly, it tries to connect climate change and health outcomes of today. Tell me about your studies. You finished your medical degree, and you also worked on an environmental degree. How did that affect your views on these policies? I've been involved in the climate and health nexus for about eight, nine years now on the international level as part of the International Federation of Medical Students Associations. I've uh, worked with the WHO at the Climate and Health Unit. Um, and I'm also the sitting president of the Quebec Association of Physicians for the Environment. And I sit on uh, the Canadian Association of Physicians for the Environment CAPE uh, board. Um, so I've, I've, you know, I, I've been in this environment for a couple of years now, and I've, um, I've always admired the, the work that the Lancet Countdown does. Um, so basically every year they track 40 indicators to, on, on the progress between climate change and health. Um, and last year I was involved around the, the launch of, of the report without having written the report because they, they sort of were looking for a spokesperson in French. Um, and then this year I had the, the, the opportunity to work directly with, uh, with them and it's, it's been very fun. Um, it's been um, complex to sort of capture uh, the impacts of climate change uh, on health in Canada in the middle of a pandemic um, and sort of, you know, trying to, con to mix those, uh, those two crises and to see how we could find a common response or, you know, what, what could we learn from one crisis to, to, for, for the other. Uh, but it's been good. And so that's how I, um, I've come to write, to, to write this report. And, uh, well, I, I will let Pinola tell her, tell her own story, but um, it's been great to have her on board as well. That's a great way to jump into it. Tell me about your background in health and environment and how that background contributes to this report. My experience is, is somewhat similar to Clovel's, but uh, a little bit uh, opposite. I actually did my bachelor's degree in, in majoring in environment um, at McGill minoring in political science. And so I had an interest in environmental policy and later in my training came to realize how I interacted with health and, and global health. Um, before med school, I went and worked in a similar related department to Clodell at the World Health Organization related to public health and environment and specifically looking at food system sustainability and how healthy diets can also be better for the planet. Uh, and I also did some work in China um, with a nonprofit organization came back to medical training in, in Alberta, in Edmonton at the U of A, and joined the National Med Student Task Force on Environment and 
and Health, which at that time was quite new. Um, the Canadian Federation of Medical Students was just starting to get interested in this area. And because of my previous background, um, I ended up leading that task force for a couple of years and get, got quite involved in trying to develop some medical curricula um, to teach students, future physicians, how this really affects our practice looking forward. And that's, so I, that's how I got involved in the specific medicine and physicians interested in the environment sphere um, and how I, I got to know Claudel better. And so when she invited me to collaborate on this Lancet Countdown Brief for Canada this year, I was very excited to, to, to be a part of it. So, Finola, what was the goal for this brief? What were you hoping to address or portray in this? So we know globally that climate change has an impact on health. And frankly, Canada's not immune to these impacts. So what we see is in the brief, which is the fourth, uh, fourth year in a row that we've had a Lancet brief for Canada, we look at new data indicators on how climate change impacts health and new data the Lancet gave us for this year from their um, uh, from the many indi- indicators that they track around the world. Specifically, we highlight the impacts of extreme heat and air pollution on health currently in Canada. And we also look at solutions to address this. And then finally, we talk a little bit about how an approach to climate change and addressing climate change in health can be in convergence with addressing the COVID-19 pandemic and how similar groups are affected by both, whether that be older persons, low-income people, um, certain ethnic groups in our society, and how we can have a more um, equitable and just recovery to both climate and COVID. If you don't mind, let's talk about the problem of heat. I know that recently data came out that uh, November 2020 was the hottest November on record, and Quebec and Ontario in recent years went through some pretty extreme heat waves. How bad is heat, excess heat in Canada, and what could that do to the health of Canadians? Yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, We had a massive heat wave in Quebec in 2018 that claimed the life of nearly 90 people. Um, And that's probably an underestimation. Um, The problem with heat is that it it causes a major stress on the body. And it's sort of, you know, when when it's extremely hot um, in the summers, especially, uh, we see a rise in mortality from different causes between um, heart, heart diseases, stroke, pulmonary infection. And so overall, people are just dying more when it's hot in the summer. Um, it's also been linked with um, impacts on mental health. So there's, there's tend to be more visit to the emergency depart- department um, for mental health related diseases. Um, and it's also been linked to an increase in criminality. So overall, really heat is not good um, for health and, and generally um, our society. And in our, our report, we, we've sort of tried to put numbers on that. Um, and so there's a few new data that, that we are addressing. One of them is the increase in mortality for people over 65 um, that is linked to extreme heat. Um, and that's an increase of about uh, 78% since the two t- early 2000s. And that's above the world average of 53%. One other number that um, actually quite saddening is that in 2018, we've lost over 2,700 people from heat-related causes, um, premature deaths most likely, um, for the population only over 65. 
Um, and so, you know, we, we sometimes think that Canada might be a cold country and then we're, we are not seeing the impacts of global warming yet, but this is, this, those numbers show that this, this picture is not accurate and actually Canada is warming um, twice the global warming rate in the south and triple in the north and that's according to Environment Canada. So even sometimes we're talking about only a small number of degrees or decimals per year, the reality is that um, our population is affected deeply by, the, by, by global warming, especially when it's really hot. Um, in the summers. Yeah, just a quick bit of basic biology. If I understand correctly, the human body is built to be able to handle an amount of heat, you know, if it's through sweating or shedding heat through other functions. Uh, but you're saying that these folks who are, uh, who are over 65 years old tend to do worse under extreme heat. Is that because their body is less able to deal with that heat? Why could this affect older Canadians? That's a, that's a valid question. Um, when there are several factors and one of them is that as we age our body loses of its natural ability to uh, to control our, our temperature um so everybody will sort of lose that capacity uh as as we age but people over 65 usually also have certain medical condition chronic diseases um, that put them more at risk and they also tend to have a higher number of pills um, and some pills can be uh, particularly bad um, on the thermal regulation of the body. Um, and so there are several factors and I think we, there's, you know, biological factors, um, precondition, but we also should not forget the social and, and natural infrastructure, especially in our cities. We've built cities that are extremely good at capturing and keeping the heat um, and not as much as, you know, to, to cool, um, to cool the, the ambient temperature. And I think, and this is one of the area that we highlight, but we would benefit um, to have, for instance, more trees in our city as trees have the capacity to cool down the temperature. Um, and so there are several factors at, at play here. Um, there's biological one, but we should not forget that overall the infrastructure that we, we are in also play a major role. Finola, I wanted to move along to the clean air concern. I know you're joining us from High River, Alberta, just south of Calgary, I believe that's right. So you know that for the past five years, there have been extreme smoke problems from forest fires in BC and in Alberta. Uh, is that the only concern of air quality in Canada that, you know, forest fire smoke that Canadians can face in the future? Yeah, very good question. There are different types of air pollution that impact health. Our brief focuses specifically on PM 2.5, which is fine particulate matter pollution. And we estimate um, just over 7,000 deaths from human caused PM 2.5 type pollution in the year 2018, which is a significant number. But actually that's just one type of pollution. If you look at Statistics Canada, the estimate of air pollution related deaths for 2018 is about twice that number, close to 15,000. And that is including different types such as ground level ozone, nitrous oxides and different types. And um, for example, we know that levels of ground level ozone go up as temperatures go up. So there is a link with that. With respect to fires, um, wildfires, of course, in Alberta, I lived most of my life in Alberta and it became a norm until this summer <laughs> was an anomaly of having um, just these hazy, hazy days for weeks or months on end. And um, of course, there is, that type of pollution is in line with the, the fine particulate matter pollution that we 
we discuss in the brief. And it can have a strain and damage to tissues of the lungs, of course, which also impacts the, the heart and circulatory system. And not to mention the impact of displacement or just generally bad air quality on people's mental health, which we have seen in, in Fort McMurray and in other parts of BC and Alberta in the last few years. Um, of course, the mental health impacts we don't quantify specifically in our brief, but um, they deserve mention as well. So when we look at our results, it's one type and one slice of the air pollution picture. And unfortunately, it's something that's going to become more the norm, even though the wildfires may be considered a natural um, source of pollution. What is causing more wildfire events is the change in global temperature and climate patterns. If I, if I may add, um, we did not specifically address that last year, but the International Lancet has an indicator on wildfires. Um, and two things, so last year, our, the Canadian brief did address the exposure to wildfire and show that there has been an increase in Canada over the last, the last 30 years. Um, and the, the international report this year also showed an increase in around 130 countries around the world. Um, so population are getting more and more exposed to wildfires and it's their consequences on, on health and, and, and the systems. Uh, but we also have to think that wildfires are uh, problematic to global warming as um, they tend to sort of go into this vicious circle of increasing um, the, the gas in the atmosphere. and so. Um, aggravating the problem that is climate change. So we sort of have a problem here where climate change may drive wildfires and wildfires are driving climate change back. It's a virtual cycle, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a question for either of you, wondering about the role infrastructure and how we can help with climate change and health. How do we build this country to help with both of these situations? Yeah. Our report highlights a lot of infrastructure-related solutions, and some of these are already being looked at in municipal or provincial plans and policies. So not to say that these steps haven't been taken, but we highlight that if they are taken and built upon, that there'd be a health benefit. We talk specifically about the areas of housing and transport and different infrastructure approaches. And I want to emphasize that we talk a lot about retrofit and upgrading our existing systems. We just don't have the capacity to knock down all of our buildings and rebuild all of our roads and design our transport from scratch. So how can we make what we have better for people and better for the environment? And there are lots of examples. For instance, with transport, we know that integrating active travel, so that's walking, biking, public transit um, in a community can have a 10 to one cost benefit ratio reduction. And so a lot of that benefits, so that's me, that's me, that means for every dollar you put in to integrate that, you'll save $10 in the future. And that's because of mainly the reductions in health impacts um, from having more active lifestyles and reducing the impacts from the emissions and the pollution. So that's just one example of how, how infrastructure can be improved. Um, and we talk also about um, upgrading buildings, including um, seniors housing, um, low income neighborhoods to address the impacts of air pollution and heat. Um, and Cladell can add a little bit more about, about some of that as well. We, uh, we have a specific recommendation regarding um, cities infrastructure and suburban communities, especially regarding to our response to heat to make sure that we have more resilient um, communities. 
we know that there's some uh, heat trapping within our city because we, we've put too much concrete everywhere. Um, currently in cities like Montreal, we have about a 20% green canopy, which is not optimal. We should, we should be aiming at a 40% um, green canopy to have the optimal protection effect of, of the green infrastructure. Um, and so to boost that, uh, we talk, you know, it can be green, it can, it can be park, it can be community gardens, green roof. There's so many innovative ways to do it, but the outcomes of doing that, it just, it improves people's health, physical and mental health. And I think this is, you know, it's a win-win it's situation where we create environments that are more enjoyable for us to, to live in, uh, but it also reduce hospital admission during the summer. It reduce visit at the, in the ER. And ultimately, it, it reduced the number of deaths from, from heat-related causes. So one thing that we're going through right now, in addition to this climate crisis, is the coronavirus pandemic. Those seem to, at least on the surface, be uh, unrelated. But you connect them in your brief. I'm wondering if you can tell us more about that. Absolutely. There are certain uh, parallels that we find and highlight. And this is not um, not to say that well, we've got two crises and it's doom and gloom, but rather that we can have approaches to both that will be more sustainable and also more just and equitable for, for, our, for our country. Um, with respect to the climate change and COVID link, we don't specifically discuss that because the Lancet didn't have data on, you know, is changing climate and changing environment um, specifically related to this outbreak. Um, so I, I wanted to address that up front because we've been asked about it a little bit. So the data just aren't there yet. But what we do know is that changing relationships between humans and the natural environment do contribute to emergence of other infectious diseases, such as the spread of Lyme disease from Eastern to Western North America, the spread of some mosquito-borne diseases, um, such as West Nile virus. And so we do know that it can impact the spread of other infections. We just don't have specific data yet for how that may have contributed to the spread of COVID-19. But what we do talk about is how COVID and climate change affect similar, um, often underprivileged groups in our society, um, whether that be ethnic minorities, um, some, in some cases, indigenous peoples, as well as older people. And so by focusing on directly including these groups and their input and prioritizing them in our response to both crises, we can, we can have a, a better outcome for health in, in the long run. And, you know, COVID is just exposing these exist, pre-existing inequalities, um, which were already there and which were already being impacted by climate change. And it gives us an opportunity to all come together and build back better. And we can have this triple win of a more sustainable economy, a better, cleaner environment, and better health for our population. To read the full 2020 policy brief for Canada, go to lancetcountdown.org. This Is Why is produced by me, Dave McIver, and Adam Toy. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email, thisiswhy at globalnews.ca, and on Twitter at thisiswhy. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Wash your hands, wear a mask, and stay home. We'll see you soon.